gentlemen, pips in between, welcome one and welcome all to episode 136 of the Arsenal Cannon Podcast. We had a bit planned um, at the beginning, and Rob, Frank, <laughs> Rob has frankly, um, he's bottled it. He has well and truly bottled it. It was a mind blank, all right? I was trying to be creative, and I, I couldn't execute it. I'm sorry. It's all right, man. Um, look, I'm happy, Rob. Nothing could put anything nothing nothing could put me down right now because ben, no. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that would make no sense to the listeners i'm so sorry <laughs> we were uh we're talking about changing our intro folks and um Squilachi! yeah we're gonna basically uh, our 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 favorite fan james guard made us an amazing tune and we're thinking about remixing it a little and putting some commentary in it, like you've heard from awesome podcasts, like the Arscast Extra and, and you know, Arsenal Vision and everything. But we're going to put, like, the commentary of terrible players, like, such as Squilachi, or, no, I'm sorry, not terrible, amazing players, like Squilachi, Bentner, Sonogo, Mustafi, Willian, I hate that I can name so many, Dennis Suarez. Ignacy you know. Miguel. <laughs> I was a bit harsh to put, to put Bentner in that conversation, to be fair. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it was all right for a, for a while. Great book. Um, check it out, as I always say. Um, but yeah, anywho, I like the way we started this podcast. It's pure chaos. Um, it shows that we're all in such a good mood, people. Um, you may have you've heard their voices already. I'm here with the original trio. Um, let's start off with the original, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the bumptious Brighton boy, formerly known as a lovely London local lad who is in a new house with a window or two. Make that behind him. Um, Alfie, how you doing, man? What are you saying, lads? Yeah, yeah, I'm decent, I'm decent. Uh, yeah, new gaff. Uh, yeah, it's not the most exciting of backgrounds, so for the next year or so, this is the background you're going to be watching on the We Love the Arsenal YouTube channel and the Just Arsenal YouTube channel and, and the podcast. So, yeah, I'm currently nursing a little bit of an illness, but Arsenal's win healed me, sort of. Respect. And you what are you saying, I- Danny? I'm just the intro. Thank you. Um, look, the thing is, Alpha, you're really similar to Arsenal right now in the way that you're sick. All right. Um, let's move on to the second guest, the man with the bumptious Brighton boy, Rob, Bob, Burt, the man that I so like to call. You know what? Let's call him Matt Smith because the bit was supposed to be Rob saying Matt Smith. I know Alfie is the guy that looks like that youngster, but we're just going to call Rob Matt Smith the whole time. Maddie, how you doing, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. Also, as all the loyal viewers of the YouTube channel will have noticed, it's a new background for me. I'm, I'm, I'm in a house. Uh, I'm First time I'm living in a house, which isn't my family home in my, in my life, actually. Um, so yeah, that's quite exciting. But But before I move on, Let's shine the spotlight on Daniel Finton, who we need to raise, raise a glass to because he he has done great things. He's secured himself a job and we're all very proud of him, as I'm sure are the, the listeners. And, and now he's showing what an absolute bellend he is. Um, but, you know, it's, it's great that uh, he has secured himself a job. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. Um, I said this in the recent Finson's Frolic. Go, do go check it out. Um, I'm talking about the terrible squad depth of the London Police Department. And I just, you know, had to thank Alfie, you, Rob, uh, Mac, 
And then every single writer on the team, um, I couldn't have done it without you guys. They went and they looked at the Instagram content, the website content, the podcast content, and they're like, holy shit, dude, you're awesome. I mean, fair enough to you. And we want to give you a chance. So huge thanks to you guys. Couldn't have done it without you for real. So yeah. Anyway, enough of that bullshit. I hate feeling. Let's do a podcast. <laughs> um, let's talk about this emphatic victory today against Brentford. I mean, Alfie, I got to be honest with you. Um, I don't know if I would consider myself nervous going into this match because I think we are quite good at the moment. Um, so nervous maybe is a bit of a strong word, but Brentford are a tricky side to play against. And I wasn't sure what to expect. Yeah, they're, they've they've started the season pretty brilliantly. Um, they've been like probably the fourth best attacking team in the league. Uh, prior to this game, after I'd say our City and Liverpool, um, based on literally every metric you could find, including goals um, straight out. Um, I think defensively, they're sort of middle of the road in terms of the basic mid-table for everything. Um, and, you know, we've seen teams struggle at, I don't even know what their stadium, Brentford Community Stadium, is that what it's called? It's the GTEC Community Stadium now. G-Tech. It's, it's a weird stadium if anyone's ever seen it. Um, it's literally underneath a motorway. Yeah, it, like you, you see it. You drive past it and you're like, is that the Brentford Stadium? Because it's like so tucked away. It, it's clever architecture, but strange. Yeah, it, it is strange. Um, and obviously, I think we're going to mention uh, what happened last year uh, when we went there and the difference in performances, uh, the difference in the team that we had out there. The difference in feeling around the club between those two games is absolutely monumental. Um, and I think maybe that played into the players' minds a little bit. Obviously, the Ivan Tony tweet, maybe that wound them up, but it looked like they were very, very keen to sort of reverse the trauma of that opening game. I know a lot of them weren't involved, but it was just like, to sh- it's sort of a symbolic sign of progress uh, with the sort of direct comparisons between the the two days I was going to say nights, but um, which Mac actually said in the group chat, um, I was like, mate, it's the game kicks off at 12. It's not a night game. It's completely irrelevant, but uh, I do that too. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah. Good, good performance. And Brentford, as I said, they're a strong team thrashed United there. I think they're better. They're a better team than United. They have been this season. Um, I'm not buying into any of this United resurgence bullshit. That's a completely different matter. But yeah, overall, a very good team, a very effective attacking team with a lot of physicality in there. You know, look at their centre-backs, look at their striker, the guy that leads the line. And we came through the test in flying colours. And I think it's a bit of a statement because to this point, we obviously had the opening five games. And I know the Palace win was a bit of a statement. After that, we played four teams who weren't great. Um, I think particularly Bournemouth, Villa and Leicester were like have been diabolical this season. Um, and we rolled them over, but people still aren't going to look at that and see it as that impressive. Then we lost to United and then this game, I felt felt like we know how good we are, but to the sort of wider mainstream audience, it felt like this was a little bit of a statement to me. Yeah, I fully agree. And I think, you know, especially the fact that we got a clean sheet in this match. I was just looking at the standings to see their goals for 15. 
I mean, I know it's a little bit uh, padded by the fact that they did annihilate United 4-0. Ha ha ha. They beat Le- um, Leeds 5-2 a couple of weeks so, ago. But the but point is, you know, they are very good at scoring goals. And and you mentioned him, uh, Tony, elite striker. And I think it's just really a matter of time before that guy gets a big move. I mean, he is absolutely... I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't say elite, personally. But maybe, I'd okay, say maybe elite's good. Elite. I'd say very good, yeah. Very good. Yeah, very good player. And I think he could really get... I think a big team could really get the most out of him, and we'd be maybe even a little bit surprised with how how good his numbers could be. Um, Rob, Brentford right now sort of remind me a bit of that Wolves team from a couple years ago in a way, and just and and the way that they they play decent football, you know, they're quite good, but also at the same time with being good and being potent on the attack and strong on the defense. They're absolute bastards and a pain in the ass to play against. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I was, I think today was was probably the perfect sort of game state to to play Brentford within for us. You know, the twelve o'clock kickoff suited us to a T. The stadium was, the atmosphere was timid in there, incomparable to the one which um, opened the Premier League season last term, um, and. It was one of those where the first goal just meant everything. Uh, and we got it pretty early through William Saliba. <laughs> He's got two more goals than both of you thought he was going to score this season. Um, and yeah, yeah um, I, I just think it, scoring that first goal w- was crucial. I think they had moments sort of in the first 10 minutes when they were getting behind Ben White with Rico Henry. Uh, seems to be the way that every team looks to get uh, get at us down that right hand side. But again, something that we dealt with well today. Um, and yeah, we we just completely took the sting out of the game. And I think it just says a lot. Um, you know, people always seem to be talking about at the moment that the teams that we play against aren't very good. And let's just these these are good teams we're just making them look bad that that is what we're doing with this was up there with our very best performances of the season because we just controlled the game so well today there, there weren't really moments where i ever ever felt we were under any sort of sustained pressure um and that's just a testament to the team to, to a man everyone was fantastic today and I think that's probably the first time this season where we're able to say that, where we we don't have a player who perhaps had a slightly dodgy game. Yeah, I completely agree. And and we did really just dominate them full stop. I mean, and it's reflected by the stats too. I was just looking at these surface level ones and Brentford, two shots on target. I mean, Ramsdale really just wasn't challenged throughout the match. And that's that's kind of what you want when you're, a, a team at our level, you know, and where we are in our progression, we need to be dominating these teams, even if it is at an away ground. Um, I was going to say an away ground with a, uh, a a rocking atmosphere, but man, their atmosphere today, I got to just say, it was absolutely shocking. I mean, wow, it sounded terrible. I heard Mikel Arteta on the touchline at some points. I heard Bukayo Saka, who is not known as a particularly loud character as far as I'm aware. Um, I heard him like screaming stuff, and everything. I was like, "Damn, dude, this place is a." You know, the the Sky commentators put it down to the somber atmosphere around the country at the moment. Uh, utter rubbish. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was a good o'clock kickoff. It, it, it's the it's any game that's played at midday in the Premier League on a Sunday is going to be a shit atmosphere. But I'm I'm glad we got to play Brentford in in, in that sort of time slot. Totally. And let's um, let's talk a little bit about the lineup. Uh, we we haven't really been doing this segment um, this season because it's there's been such continuity. Um, but Alfie, a good amount of changes um, and this 11 from, you know, what were you? I, I say good amount of changes. I mean, there's. I think it was three. Three. Yeah. So, I mean, that's 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 significant. And Fabio Vieira given his first start. Um, we'll touch on his fantastic goal later. Um, but yeah, just some, some changes going into this. What did you think of the, um, not just the changes, but just the lineup as a whole. And I mean, obviously we knew this team should be good enough to beat Brentford, but were there any areas of concern? Um, no, not really. I think people, we've sort of overlooked the Fabio Vieira signing. Um, to some extent, mainly because he's been injured, we sort of forgot that, you know, he's it, this isn't a Marquinhos or even Martinelli signing when we signed him. This is a guy who's played in the Champions League and been brilliant and got 14 assists in the Portuguese league last season and arrives with pedigree and is 22. He's not a baby. He's like, he's young. He's not a baby. He's only a year younger than Odegaard. Um, and it was 34 million or 30 odd million. So, you know, we should sign him expecting... It was almost the same cost as, as Odegaard. We should sign him expecting him to, you know, if Odegaard isn't available like he wasn't today, we can bring him on and, you know, might be a slight slip, step down in quality, but we're not missing a whole lot and we're not worried. And I wasn't because we saw against Zurich, you know, he wasn't exceptional in that game, but he looked at home. We saw uh, off the bench against United, he made a decent impact. You could see in little bursts his quality. And again, we'll, we'll touch on his performance more in, uh, later, probably. But, I mean, that moment of brilliance that he produced, I don't think he was, like, sustainably brilliant. But, you know, he produced that moment. So I wasn't really. I was happy to see Partey back. Um, I think he, again, we'll probably touch on it, but he had a massive impact on this team. And of course, you know, Zinchenko not available, so you're going to play Tierney. I don't think it was, there's too much to it. But yeah, for me, I'm going to sway away. Sorry from, from your question, Daniel. Um, but I guess that's what all podcasts we do eventually happens anyway. Um, this performance was uh, sort of echoing what uh, Rob said. It was all about control. I don't think it was our most fluid attacking performance this season. I think we've been better in the final third um, quite a few times. I think it was more about we came up against a team who is actually good going forward, whereas some of the teams we've played earlier this season have been terrible in that aspect. Um, and we completely suppressed them. As you said, uh, Daniel, about how little Ramsdale had to do. Um, but in the end, they, they had like, what, seven shots or something like that? Ten shots, maybe? Um 0.5 xg something like that it was only the dams guard chance just the five shots actually so five exactly um and it was only the dams guard chance uh in the minutes applause which was the one minute i think we were probably worse in the, in the game we just sort of switched off um they had that one chance with dams guard going behind but other than that complete and utter control we just suffocated them with possession um and yeah we are man city light i was watching city against dortmund 
and the patterns that they play with this the way their John Stones was inverting like Ben White does, but also coming a bit further wide and sort of forming a back three in the way Cancelo was playing next to Rodri. It was literally Zinchenko and Parse. It was it was we are the same as them, just not as good. Like we we play in the exact same way. Um I'm sure Arteta was the founder of this system and Pep just copied him. Oh, 100%. And I, I, I like that we're, you know, maybe we do certain things different from Manchester City, um, but I like that we're maybe replicating them because I think in terms of dominant teams and their sort of, you know, way of play being like sustainable, I think that City have one of the most sustainable ways of, of playing out of any other team there because they're not reliant on really any individuals, maybe you could say De Bruyne and, and Holland and Ederson and between the sticks, but like realistically it's a team effort a hundred percent, you know? And, and I think that is the, the, the way that we're trying to go to Mac mentioned this in the last podcast I recorded with him. It looks like the goal scorers, you know, our goals scored are not going to be from one guy. It's not going to be Salah. It's not going to be a, a Kane, you know, it's going to be a shared sort of, um, Stat and I, I like that, and I think that's the best way to go forward. Um, Rob, I do just want to touch more on Fabio Vieira because I think it is such an interesting case. Um, because I was just so excited to see him in the starting lineup. I, unlike Alfie, did find myself a little bit worried not worried in the way that I don't trust Vieira, but worried in the way that I was like, shit, Odegaard, man. I mean, Odegaard has really been coming into his own this season. I think he maybe had a bit of a rocky start but started to find his footing. And then soon as he did, well, he's out with a bit of a knock. So I was a bit worried for that. Did you feel the same? Um, I think naturally when you, your captain's unavailable, a player that we've relied heavily upon this season, it, it's very frustrating. Um, I think that was my main emotion when I heard the news, just frustration, especially after Zinchenko picked up a, a knock, um, even though we haven't played football for two weeks. It is really, really annoying that we're picking up these injuries. But look at the way we're coping with it. If, and I think Vieira proved today. I'm not saying that he, he proved that, oh, you know, he's better than Erdegaard or whatever, but he proved he can come in and everything's going to be fine if he's there. Like It's one of those positions where we can just plug a different player in, just like at left back. I mean, I, th- I hope that we talk about Kieran Tierney a bit later as well because he had his critics earlier this season, but he looks like he's getting back to his best now. I thought he was really, really um, excellent today. Um but yeah, back back to Vieira. Uh, I think that we're also seeing that he's a, whilst the profiles are obviously extremely comparable, he is still a very different player to Martin Odegaard. Um, perhaps a bit more direct and and you know we we've seen it with the goal. With the goal, does Martin Odegaard score that goal? Um, you know, he's an excellent striker of the ball. Is is Fabio Vieira, and that's been evident in his uh, time in Portugal. Um, so. Yeah, that, that's a really exciting facet of his game. I'm looking forward to seeing him do more. He, he's probably a little bit more adventurous with his passing. He tries that difficult pass maybe a bit more frequently than Odegaard, but there is also value to what Odegaard brings with his ball retention. So oh, it's it's just so nice to have the these these different options. It, it's lovely. Um, and it's not like um, you really have to, pick one or the other just like as I was saying with left back you can just pick which one you think is better suited to a game and that's that's really exciting a hundred percent 
And I, I, what, what I found really exciting today was that even though Odegaard wasn't there, Alfie, other players took the creative onus. And that's namely, I think, Bukayo Saka, who I think quietly had a very solid game. Um, obviously, helped to open the scoring. Phenomenal corner swung in to William Saliba. Um, second goal of the season for the big man. By the way, I am an absolute sucker for goals smacking in off the inside of the post. I love that. And we had two today, so it's been a great day. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, I mean, we have all these players, Alfie, now that know how to create things. It's not like we're relying on one guy. And again, just like the goal scoring and the defensive side of the game and everything, I think you want multiple individuals that can do these things because having a collective unit of players that can each do different jobs, I think is really useful and is really going to help us, I think, tremendously in our race for the top four. Yeah, I actually, I thought we struggled a little bit in the first half an hour um, to adapt to not having Arten Odegaard. He's such a staple of the team. He's, you know, me and me and Rob have said numerous times that when Martin Odegaard is purring, Arsenal purr. And I think in the first half an hour, and I thought this about the first half in general, and I wrote it in my little uh, review uh, on on Instagram. Uh, I think we were very good in the first two thirds of the pitch in the first half. Like we we won the ball back very well. Our press was good. Um, we were in control in those final th- in those two thirds. Then when we got to the final third, we we weren't too fluid in our patterns. We didn't create an awful lot. Uh, I feel in the first sort of half an hour. And I think part of that was the lack of Odegaard. And I think we were sort of getting used to Vieira's game and Saka and Vieira were trying to get their um, cohesion and chemistry up. Um, And also, you know, Kieran Tierney is very different to Zinchenko, as we said. So down the left-hand side, our threat was a bit different. Once we did get it, we started really playing some really nice football. And I thought Saka did step up. I thought, I think he's had better games of late, but I thought he produced, you know, two assists. The first one is a brilliant corner. Another goal from a set piece. Uh, we are just, we are probably, the. I think along with, in fact, Brentford are insane at set pieces as well. So I was quite surprised we actually managed to score against them. Um, we also dealt with their set pieces brilliantly throughout the game. But I think it, I think it was quite a, lackluster opening sort of 25 minutes and I think we needed that goal from a set piece to sort of give us that initiative and then it allowed us to settle a bit more and we started playing our football again um but yeah I wanted to touch on Thomas Partey as I mentioned earlier um just his role in that first half and in the second half I so I wrote a piece about Sambi um and it mainly focused about his because I thought he was really good on the ball against United, but it mainly focused on his positional awareness and tactical awareness and just uh, ability to remain in the centre of the pitch and know where he needs to stand when we lose the ball. And there were so many times we lost the ball and just Partey's presence and his ability to shepherd the ball just meant we won it back so many times. Um, so yeah, he was. I think he was instrumental today in in the way we managed to turn it around. I, uh, you're so right. I mean, he literally provided the foundation, I think, for Granit Xhaka to be in the discussion for man of the match. In my opinion, Xhaka was a man of the match. I think he was phenomenal at literally every facet of the, of the game. And yeah, 
the fact is, as much as we like Sambi and as much potential as we know he has, when Sambi's in there next to Jaka, you can't get the best out of Granit Jaka because he's basically limited in what he has to do because ultimately at the moment, Lokonga is not the best defensively, you know, and not the best at that kind of boiler room work that Partey excels in. So while he's good on the ball, is that is that really what you want when you're partnered with yeah, Granit He's off the ball awareness. Like when I rewatched uh, even the Villa game where he was good and it didn't really cost us, you saw little moments where he'd sort of switch off or he wouldn't know where to position himself to pick up second balls, stuff like that. Whereas, And then it's we sort of saw it exposed actually properly in the United game. Uh, Partey's just ex- excellent at that. He, yeah, he just, and it seems like he just never runs out of gas sort of thing. And he, the, the amount of work that he has to do in that position is absolutely ridiculous. And this is why in the discussions that we've had regarding a potential replacement in the future, it is going to be insanely difficult to find somebody that can do that. So we'll just see what happens in that regard. Um, on that sort of note of the midfield though, Rob, um, and feel free to talk about Partey and Lakanga if you want, but walk me through Jacques' performance. I said it in the group chat. I mean defensive interventions, keeping things ticking in the midfield, and direct goal contributions. What can't this guy do? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I went on to Twitter at halftime, um, and as Alfie said, the first half wasn't exactly electric. There were a lot of stale moments, but literally every single Arsenal journo in attendance was saying Granite Shackle was the best player on the pitch. Um, and he took the responsibility of the armband perfectly today. You just... You just wish with that captain thing that it just all happened at a different time, don't you? Imagine if 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 this was the first time he was handed the opportunity to wear it, and and it all could have been very different. But you know, he, he also said off the game. I'll, I'll go on to what he provided in on the pitch in a, in a second. But he said off the game, he he felt so loved, um, and it was a pleasure to hear fans singing his name. You know what what a turnaround! I, I think. It, it it beggars belief how 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 well things are going for him. But just in terms of what he did on the pitch, yeah, you're right, Daniel. He thrived with Thomas Partey behind him. You you knew it gave him that extra sense of of liberty. And the great thing about um, playing with um, Kieran Tierney for him is that it allows him to to pick up so many interesting positions because. When Tierney bombs on, he's he's then given the opportunity to to play a bit deeper within the half space, the the, the area of the pitch where he's completely at his best, um, literally where you want him moving the ball forward, and then the assist. I mean, you know, if if Kevin De Bruyne's delivering that ball, people are talking about it on Twitter for weeks and weeks and weeks. It, it was a perfect cross, um, and. That's not to say it was like an easy finish for Gabriel Jesus. The header is outstanding, but the cross, um, the cross completely made the goal. And um, yeah, it, it was ballsy from him as well. You can imagine a, a granite shacker of a few years ago playing with a little less confidence, might just shift the ball out wide. No, he's putting it in the box. He's offering an attacking threat. Um, and yeah, we, we all know the limitations he has within that position. But at the moment, he is holding onto that shirt and he is holding as tight as he can and no one is taking it away from him. Can I get on this? Get in on this. Shaka waxing lyrical. Uh, yeah, that, that was a sort of 
moment of outstanding quality I think we needed because as I was saying, I thought uh the first half we as like we weren't completely fluid and it wasn't we weren't creating too much. I think that was our third shot, the Jesus goal. Um and it was it was not wasn't like like we completely nullified Brentford who had one shot in the first half, but I think that was our third shot and we just needed that brilliant of brilliant moment. Um and it, yeah, that is it's outstanding little ball to the the back post, and that's the sort of thing I didn't think he was capable of. Like we talk about everything he does well in the middle of the pitch and the, and the sort of middle third, um, but in the final third, I didn't think he'd be capable of a breaking into the box, um, being a goal threat like he was against Leicester, and b you know sort of creating these like very little space creating moments uh for for other players like that brilliant it was like he managed to dig it out with very little backlift and it's a fucking brilliant header um from jesus like all this talk i remember having arguments on here with people in the summer saying everyone everyone's like we need a big striker and i never understood it i think you've got to look at the qualities they have not their height and i i got what it was in terms of like having a plan b but there's this notion that you need to be big uh, to win headers. And I don't think that's the case. You just need good delivery. Um, and you need to be good at heading the ball, which Jesus is excellent at, despite being 5'9". You know, his the neck muscles he had to sort of uh, use to pull that header off. It's fucking insane. Um, and yeah, 2-0. And yeah, on Shaka. The the zones of the pitch, he was just he was immaculate in every aspect of the game, as you said, Daniel. The amount of times we saw him sort of dropping in alongside Partey, which is what he's like. That's not his uh, the main area of the pitch that he's he's supposed to be working in now, but he did it anyway and was exceptional. At it. And then we saw him at the same time making underlapping runs uh, for whoever had the ball out wide, uh, you know, in behind to get it. We saw him in every aspect. His his engine is insane. As much as he might be quite immobile, he he is he's everywhere. Um, his heat map today was insane. If you haven't seen it, you know he's he's he popping up everywhere. The amount of times he did his defensive work, he was shepherding the ball. Um, you know, snuffing out danger. You know, I don't think he makes too many tackles, which is why his sort of event data for defensive inter, uh, interventions or actions never looks that great. Um, but it's more his second balls, his ball recoveries. He's just in the right place to snuff out any sort of Brentford danger. And I thought he was brilliant in that aspect today. Superb performance. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. I thought Jesus was great. But for me, Granit Xhaka was the man of the match. Yeah, so, I think, yeah, I think Arsene Wenger made the right decision to sign him over N'Golo Kante all those years ago in 2016. I think that's been firmly established now. And now I will say, imagine that as a partnership. That might be pretty tasty. I mean, to be to be honest, but yeah. Well, uh, Arsene Wenger si- said when we signed when he signed him that he was a box to box midfielder. Do you remember that? And it only took us what six years to actually realize that because we all thought Arsene Wenger was a clown for saying that because like there's nothing in his game ever uh, until the last year or so to suggest that he could ever do that play that sort of role. He's always been a deep lying sort of playmaker. 
Yeah, you know, and and I do think Mikel Arteta deserves a lot of credit for sort of excavating this out of Xhaka. I mean, it, this has just been phenomenal, and he's been one of our best players this season. And I was talking earlier about Partey being, you know, really difficult to replace just regarding his sort of energy levels and how much he's tasked with doing. You got to say the same thing for Xhaka, man. I mean, not only is he tasked with doing a lot like Partey, but Xhaka, unlike Partey, is always available. He basically, knocking on wood, he basically He's never. He's going to tear his ACL against Spurs. <laughs> I really, please God, no. Um, but, you know, a really good injury record. And that's just that just makes him such a valuable tool, man. And I've just been so impressed with what I've seen from him this season. And long may it continue. Por favor. Um, I mean, and yeah, and Daniel, I know that you've spoken about this before. That is genuinely a trait that makes a player better. Availability. I mean, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you're injured all the time, what's what's, what's the point? Um, it, it is genuinely something which is is so attractive, and oh, I just can't believe we almost. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, I'm just going to be excited. I, I am. Jesus Christ, Granite Shaka. <laughs> I just I was just gonna say I can't believe we almost sold him to Roma for like ten million euros or something. How different things could have turned out. I I said this back when those links came out and when um Alfie released a good a great piece, I should say, a few yeah, probably years ago now, where he said it's a natural parting of the ways. Every summer pretty much. Yeah, and, and I agreed. And I said, I mean that boy would do bits in Italy, man. I mean, because the one uh, aspect I think of the Premier League he's always get, uh, struggled with is is the pace. Um, so, yeah, I think he'd be tremendous in Italy. But, yeah, I mean, wearing the captain's armband, too, from the start, absolutely love to see that, too. It's just just great. We're, just the vibes are good right now. And we we just wanted to keep on going man it stinks that an international break is on the horizon because i just want to keep watching arsenal man um but alfie the third goal we talked a little bit about fabio vieira um and i talked about how much i love goals that smack in off the post this though was an absolute peach i think saliba's goal was very good jesus's goal was very good best of the bunch though came from the debut and fabio vieira what a freaking strike and the thing is too yes it smacked off the post but he placed it in off the post it was just absolutely sensational and what a way to get off the mark for your new club yeah uh we spoke me and rob after the united game we said he likes to shoot he's got a you know he he gets shots off like he was averaging almost four shots a game last season for porto which would have made him our highest shot taker if he was playing for us um Ironically, in this game, I think that was his only shot. Uh, I might be wrong, but I think so. Um, and you can see why he shoots so often because his ball striking is brilliant. You know, the placement. He's so talented. You can see the talent in him. Um, and I, as, as I said earlier, I don't think he was like absolutely outstanding. I thought he, he fed Saka the ball when he needed to. The, you could see the weight on all his passing was great. I don't think he he like... I don't think we really saw the absolute creative best of him in this game. Um, 
I think that's to come, but because he was sort of, you know, it's understandable. It's his first Premier League game, and he's just sort of, he want he'll want to, you know, keep it tidy, um, which he was, um, and sort of settle in, set, uh, let the team adjust to how he plays compared to Odegaard, um, and he did that, and yeah, rocket of a goal, and it was a great time to score because, you know, as you said, I mean, it's the most cliche thing, but two nil is a dangerous lead. Um, and when if Bournemouth had got the next goal, it would have you know changed the momentum. The crowd would have been a bit more hyped. Um, they would have become less silent and maybe slightly you know one decibel um, producing that actual stadium. Um, and you know it, would, it might have changed the game, but to score four minutes in, it completely killed the game as a spectacle. The rest of the second half was a bit of a procession. Um, we just again we continued to suffocate them. They had a little spell of maybe two or three minutes just when we were clapping for the Queen in the seventieth minute, where we switched off a little bit. Um, but other than that, it was you know complete control. I thought first half, as I said a few times now, our possession and territory dominance didn't really wasn't really converted into many clear-cut shot shooting opportunities. Um, we had a few pot shots, but we weren't even taking many shots. Whereas in the second half, I thought we were more creative and around the box. Jesus had a couple um, decent chances, which forced saves from Raya. Uh, Saka had a nice shot save from Raya. It was, it was, I thought the second half was was more nice to watch, mainly because we were in cruise control and it, made, it allowed us to make some subs that uh we'll probably touch on one of them in particular yeah and if Absolutely. i might just um swoop in as well on the on the Vieira gold discussion um yeah the timing was was perfect it, very comparable to the third that we got at bournemouth a few weeks ago uh with saliba uh when because again it, it's just a moment of fantastic individual quality which you know, I'm not saying Brentford definitely would have got back in the game, but the stadium was definitely a tiny bit louder at, at the start of the second half. You know, they played Teju during the halftime interval and that tends to get the fans going there a little bit. And you could tell it was a bit bit more uh, tasty in there. And then when you've got a player like Fabio Vieira who can just slap one in from 25 yards, it just kills the game off. It, 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 it's those moments of individual quality that you need to be a top, top side. And on, on top of that, it's just the the sort of the level of skill that goal required. He, he gives the keeper the eyes. He, you know, it, it's as if he's going to bend it into that top, top left-hand corner and the ability to still hit it with enough power and sort of reverse it to the right-hand side of the goal. It, you know, a ridiculous piece of individual quality. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more from him because I think he sort of played in moments today rather than offering that constant threat. Um, but I'm sure that's something that will come with, with more game time. We forget that, you know, he's only completed one ninety this season. And I don't even know if he um, played the whole game against Zurich. So no, actually he came off. So, you know, that this is the first time he has sort of played the whole game in the Premier League and he's still adapting, but well done to him. He was fantastic. Absolutely. And what I really liked about the end of this game is it reminded me of those vintage performances we used to have at home against the biggest teams in the country, you know, Manchester United and Chelsea. When we, we did it a couple of times when we smacked three past them and then we just went in cruise control after. And after that point, the anxiety sort of, 
dissipates and you can just enjoy each player's individual quality and actually assess it um, through what are, I, I guess, not rose-tinted goggles, almost anxiety-tinted goggles, you know? Like you could just watch the game and just enjoy the spectacle of it. So I love that that goal because it was gorgeous and because, like you both said, it killed the game and, man, was that needed. I think that's uh, quite an important point based off what we've been discussing in recent games. I know you and Mac talked about it um, when we played Zurich um, and when we've spoken about the Villa and Fulham games. We battered all three of those teams, but we didn't make it... We, it wasn't reflected in the scoreline because we, we, we just had a knack for making it difficult for ourselves. In this game, in the Bournemouth game, probably less less of a battering in terms of the amount of chances created in these this game and the Bournemouth game. But it was because we were clinical early on and we just killed the game and then we controlled it. And it was nice to not have that pointless anxiety we've had in recent games, which has, it was becoming a bit of a theme. So hopefully we can do that going forward as well. Yeah, especially when, you ha- when you're when you playing against a guy like Ivan Tony or something who can literally just carve something out of nothing and could just put He did away. nothing in this game. Absolutely nothing. We nullified him. We absolutely nullified him. And our defense... Yeah, just that that little volley free kick. I quite like the routine, actually, but it didn't work. Yeah, you know. um, We've been waxing lyrical about the defense, so let's talk about two more things, Arsenal, and then we'll maybe get into the international break and then draw to a close. I think that would be pretty much good. We've just crushed it today. Like Arsenal, quick, concise, beautiful. Um, Let's talk about that defense, Alfie. Ben White keeping his spot in the right back. Uh, position I think again solid performance didn't you know I, I I didn't look at that performance and say oh man this was this was a special one I just looked at it and said wow that was just solid at right back and I think same goes for tyranny tyranny uh, Rob you said you wanted to to touch on a bit um, tyranny I think was was quite good on the other hand and then the center back pairing this Gabrielle um, and and Saliba partnership really is just special and Alfie, if you're a guy like Tony, you know, who is, you know, physically quite good, um, and then he's obviously good at the technical side of the game too, if you're looking at these monsters in Gabrielle and Saliba, and then you've got the ever loud and obnoxious Ramsdale between the sticks, I mean, this is what we've been crying out for for years. We want a defensive unit that intimidates people, and I think we've got that right now. Yeah, the way they beat us last year was being was getting the ball to Tony and letting him bully our centre-backs. He bullied Pablo Marie that day and Ben White in his first Arsenal game. He would pull off out wide and bully Callum Chambers on that side. Um, And the difference in this game was that, I think largely it wasn't a game... We we prevented uh, Brentford from being able to do that because we played with such a high line. So they weren't able to get into these crossing positions. They weren't able to find Tony because whenever it went up to Tony he was faced with you know Saliba Gabriel and White uh, and it was three or one or they were so penned back that Tony was so deep in his own half that they would win the ball and have absolutely no way to get it up for up the pitch um, so we basically prevented Brentford from playing to their strengths um, and there was a lot of criticism after the United game about how our high line got breached so easily and how they got uh, got in behind. And as much as I think Brentford are a better team than Manchester United, Manchester United undoubtedly possess more individual quality. 
Um, and unfortunately, when you do play teams with a lot of individual quality with such a high line, they will get in behind you a few times a game. Um, it happens to the best. It happens to City occasionally. You know, you look at when they played Dortmund, um, happened a few times. The The difference with this game is, I think this shows the rewards of playing like that. When you're playing worse teams and you've got two very athletic centre-backs uh, and a very athletic right, well, in fact, both the full-backs as well, you're going to get away with it most of the time because they when a few times, the, the par, most teams will not have a player who can play the sort of pass that, uh, that Fernandez could play for Rashford in that goal. And you saw that Brentford had a few moments where they could have got in behind with a good pass uh, and it wasn't immaculate, which meant Saliba and Gabriel swept up. Uh, I thought Saliba had a few brilliant last-ditch interventions, um, sort of not not last-ditch, but he sort of made the recovery run uh, when it looked like the 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 opposing player had a bit of an advantage on him. And on the ball, Saliba today, some of, he was so composed. I'll let I'll let uh, Rob touch on the fullbacks, but I just wanted to mention Saliba on his in possession. Um. Just, you know, a few times where it looked like he was in trouble, he'd just turn away so smoothly and find it. He always find these little balls into midfield, um, into Partey, into Shaka when, you know, someone who's slightly less comfortable on the ball would, would either play it to his centre-back partner in Gabriel or he'd go back to Ramsdale, whereas Saliba's always looking for these little, slightly more risky but doable passes into midfield. So... Yeah, I, I I loved Saliba's performance again, um, and Gabriel was was assured. Um, there was one moment when when he went down, uh, and just before that, he decided to press up the pitch. I was a bit like, "Why are you doing that, Gabriel? Get back in position!" But yeah, he made up for it. I just wanted to, one thing we forgot about Shaka, and I know you said it in the chat, Danny, is he had his moment of madness still. So he stayed on brand when he when he that stupid yellow card when he blocked Raya was the most pointless thing, but. I mean, it would be a Shaka performance without that. So, Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that did irritate me a little bit um, here in the States, and I will now I want to caveat what I'm about to say by saying I think the commentators and the pundits here in America are significantly better than your guys' over there right now. I just hear nothing but bad things about basically every commentator and pundit over there. We've got pretty good good workers over here, but the one commentator was like, well, that's what you get with Grana Janka. And it was like, dude, he just put in like a man of the match performance. You haven't praised him at all. He did one stupid thing and you're all over him. And they're like, he's like, well, they say, boy, you know, and it's like, dude, shut the, shut the hell up. But anyway, uh, that that doesn't really matter. But I just figured I'd, I'd put it out there. Rob, I, 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 I actually just on chat, I don't care that commentators and uh, uh, opposition fans, sorry, I couldn't get my word out there. Opposition fans from other clubs are like, no one seemed to rate him that highly, and I love it because, like, every time he does not get his flowers, he, he doesn't at all. Like, the perception of him is still bizarrely that he's sort of not that great, mm-hmm. which I just find so like he's. If you actually watch him each week, you'll see that he is definitely a pretty good player. Yeah. Like, no one's saying he's world-class. I mean, today's performance was pretty much world-class, but he doesn't produce that every week. Yeah, of course he's not. always pretty good. But some people sort of um, laugh at the idea of him being, like, an important player or a reliable player. 
yeah that, that's the thing like people just seem to think we can't rely on him that he's going to get red carded and his his red card record isn't great but it's, it's not awful it's comparable to a lot of other premier league midfielders um but yeah who cares um he's doing well for us and that's all that matters um just on the on the fullbacks um yeah ben white Good to see that he's been to the the tanning salon. He he was looking nice and nice and sharp today. He looks so brown. Um, but yeah, he um, he was. Uh, he's got to get cancelled soon. Yeah. Be careful. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, standard Love Island awaits. <laughs> standard Ben White performance. Really, he was uh, solid as a rock back there. And late on, he. he uh, offered a really like powerful overlapping run, and I I liked that he can do that. Um, and um, otherwise, Kieran Tierney, yes, Kieran Tierney was really really good today. Um, getting back to his best, both uh, underlapping, overlapping, he was doing it all comfortable in the deeper areas, operating in positions of the pitch which maybe suit him a bit better. Um, but also happy to invert when he needed to. Um, yeah, I mean. That is the sort of performance that he produces, and you're like, why can't you just stay fit? Because I think a Kieran Tierney that playing that well, I don't know if Alexander Zinchenko displaces him. I, I really don't. Um, so it, it's great for the whole team that he's starting to play well now. Uh, but yeah, just just across the bat line, I thought so much better. I thought Gabriel who. Now I sort of reflect on it. I feel like I criticise him a little bit every single week um, just because there are those few blemishes in his game, even though I really like him. I thought he was much better today. I, I wasn't really afraid that he was going to fuck up at any moment. And then his tweet after the game was also absolutely fantastic. I still yeah. think, just quickly on Tierney, sorry. Um, I still think there are moments where you're like, if Zinchenko's in that position, he produces a much more valuable pass. I said that a couple um, of times today. Yeah, like it, I thought he wasted the ball in a few times, and I it, I found myself getting a little bit annoyed. But I do think he was better. Um, he was more steady, and like his defensive work was good, as it always is. Um, and that's obviously one of the more um, that's the the upside of him over Zinchenko. Obviously, We've discussed that several times. Absolutely, and. I think what's beautiful, though, about the left-back position right now is that that is really the, I won't say the one area because we've got some others sorted out too, but that is probably, in my opinion, the strongest area of the team. I mean, the quality... I think the whole whole defensive line has great options because we don't have to call on Holding or Cedric now. I totally agree. But I think left back in particular is just sensational because you've got two left backs, left backs, and they're absolutely different. They're they're so different from one another. So in any given match, you know, I think White and Tomiyasu, you more or less are probably going to get sort of the same thing. Whereas with, um, you know, Tierney and Zinchenko, totally opposite from one another. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, I think there does need to be a little inquest into the whereabouts of Cedric Suarez. Where is the man? <laughs> he's disappeared. He's injured. Oh. Hanging out with his best friend. Thank Cristiano God. Ronaldo. Just imagine everything that he could offer if he wasn't injured. It's gutting. It's gutting. Shit. Oh, well, one day we'll get him back. Please. <laughs> Arsenal I and those need... bloody injuries. 
<sighs> we need one more screamer from Cedric before he goes. Like when the you know he loves when like the score is like eight nil, and he's like, you know what? Ah, come on, forward. There's yeah, no just throw him on when we're seven nil up against Bodo Glimt. Yeah. Oh, oh, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about before the international break. Um, Alfie, you just talked last, so I'll give it to you. A 15-year-old played for us today, and he even got like a touch or two. I mean, what the freak, man? This guy's eight years younger than me, dude. Holy cow pie. That's insane. We have like a first or second grader between us. I mean, that's just crazy, dude. 15 years old, man. That's Here in the States, he'd be able to have his learner's permit and would be able to drive with a parent, but only just, you know, like at that 16, you get your license here, obviously. But um, dude, 15 years old and you're on the bench for Arsenal and you come off too. I had a feeling, I said this in the chat too, that Arteta just might be an asshole and be like, nah, you know, but, but he gave him his run out. And now the youngest player to ever take part in a Premier League game. How crazy is that? He's got well, school in the morning. School in the morning. <laughs> I mean, he's if anyone who knows about the UK schooling system, he's in year 10. So that's just kind of mental. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned here uh, that you something about driving in, in the US. Here, he would be two, he's still two years away from being able to get lessons. Uh, so I'm pretty sure uh, that's right. Ethan, Ethan Nuaneri, is it? Yeah, Nuaneri. Nuanery. I feel like we should definitely um, name drop him. Let me stop calling him the 15-year-old Nuanery because now he's an Arsenal player, man. Let's say I got to say his name. Sorry. He is, and he's he's younger than AFC Max Nine. So, I mean, that's and he's he's old enough to be Danny's kid. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I was really sleeping around at eight. <laughs> man, I've just got to keep the narrative going. He might want to write for us. Should we get in contact? He's, he's a bit young for that, I think. He's got no experience. He can't have any experience. To think uh, when the first lockdown happened, he was like 12 or 13. Like, that's, that's fucking mental. Yeah, he doesn't look like a 15-year-old, though, does he? I don't think I've ever seen a 15-year-old with like such a well-groomed like fluff bit here, whatever it is. It, it, quite impressive, I've got to say. Yeah, he doesn't. Um the Arsenal barber is 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 at it again, making all of our players look handsome. Exactly, but born in two thousand seven just sounds mental. Like that's when I started watching Arsenal. He was born when I started watching our games. Like mental. Um, I know there'll be older yeah. people out here calling us 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 three very young, but mm. for us, this is quite mental. And. He wouldn't have even been paid to play for Arsenal today because he's not old enough. He's not an employee. He's just he's an academy boy. He doesn't have a contract at the club. And Plus, yeah, here he is. I saw AFC Kerry's tweet, and it's like, oh, his his oyster card still has double beep, <laughs> uh, which for anyone from London obviously gets it. Uh, when you're under, when you're fifteen or under. Uh, in London, you travel free in the bus, and you're you, you've got an Oyster card that does a double beep, um, which is fucking mental. And so, someone replied, he, "He's got Year Ten versus Year Eleven on Tuesday." <laughs> and another guy replied, "Blacks versus Whites on Wednesday." And another guy, Christians versus uh, Muslims on Thursday. It's like, yeah, oh, too you funny. See, see, what this guy? Is the thing. This is the conspiracy theory now. I see. I didn't know that about the Oyster card. 
they just ran out of room on the bus. So they're like, ah, oh, we don't have any extra change because we're saving up for Tielemans in the January window. Uh, here, you, you're a kid. Hop on the freaking public transit. You get on for free and uh, just meet us at Brentford. He's like, okay, cool. So that's how he got his uh, debut. Arteta promised that he'd take him off the bench if he came along. Cool. Um, so he he must be fucking good. Like to to be <laughs> to be in the squad at fifteen, but then just to be playing in the under eighteens regularly at fifteen. I saw um, Kaya Kayak. That's his name, isn't it? Tweet a few few weeks ago that he was he was just been involved in the under 21 squad and i was like oh that's one to yeah, he scored he scored from the 20 21s or 23s whatever that and then all of a sudden he's in the, the first team squad so i mean harvey elliott was the record holder if he's as good as harvey elliott because i've enjoyed watching <laughs> rob doesn't like him i don't like him as a guy but he's definitely fucking oh, good. no i'm just uh, saying fuck off to him because no longer his record is it oh it's yeah and wannies or whatever yeah yeah, it is. So, yeah, remember the name. Absolutely. And, uh, Rob, just a quick quick little two minutes on it or something. Um, is the international break coming now, you know, with the couple niggles we have within the squad, Odegaard and Zinchenko? Is it, a, is it coming at a good time? I know we're in really good form right now. And like I said at the top of the show, we just want to keep watching Arsenal. But is this maybe a good time to just get everybody back to, you know, full fitness and come on in afterwards and now we're at full strength again yeah i mean strangely not many of our players are are going on away on international duty but i think that can only be a good thing from an arsenal perspective um i think it's really important that um sort of zinchenko and odegaard are kept at home uh we can look after them through this process now of them being injured uh and it just sort of like the last couple of weeks we've had off uh, due to the Queen's passing. It's been just really good for us fitness-wise. I know that we've picked up injuries in that period, but we've also been able to welcome back uh, Thomas Partey, um, which is obviously crucial for us. And I've just remembered, actually, um, so I'm going to reference it now. Mikel Arteta revealed in the post-match press conference that William Saliba has been unavailable for 10 days in training because he's had discomfort. And he only returned to training yesterday and he produced a performance like that. Brilliant. I didn't hear that. Yeah. That's fucking insane. It is brilliant. He's a machine. Um, William it's an machine. indication of, of how good he is. Mm-hmm. I, on Odegaard, I think it's imperative that he doesn't go away in this international back. Right? Largely because... I think we've seen the pattern of him returning from international break. His first game back is never great. And he is a player who tends to um, need a few games to grow into things. Like he needs he needs a run, uh, like two or three games to find his footing. And if he has any disruptions in that, he generally um, struggles a little bit because he needs quite good conditions. That's something we want him to improve on. But yeah, I mean, I really hope he's not going. And the same with Zinchenko. And yeah, we've got the three three Brazilians. We've got Ben White still there. Um, I don't know about the rest of the squad. A lot of them are going. Um, but yeah, we should we should have quite a few players which we can who we can wrap in cotton wool ahead of the big game on October first. And Gareth Southgate is a wanker. How on earth are you not calling up Ben White? It boggles the no, mind. This is. <laughs> The one that I I disagree with, because 
a lot of people are like, oh, Connor Cody and Harry Maguire, which I get, like, he's a better player than both of them, particularly Connor yeah, Cody. Yeah, but I so get why, why, they're, why they're there. Yeah, I can understand them more because Gareth Southgate has his squad, and as we've said about international football before, because it you get so little time to train um, together as a team, and because squads are always different, having continuity in a squad has clearly been shown to be beneficial. Um, which is why chopping and changing is not the greatest. But Ben White has been part of the England squad significantly more than Eric Dyer has in the last two years. Like he's actually Eric Dyer has Mark been Gwehi in the squad for ages. Well. Yeah, I mean he's good, but again, I mean he's a better player than him. So it's uh, bizarre, bizarre. I, I I don't understand who has watched Ben White in the opening stage of this season and not gone, he's been absolutely excellent and probably one of England's, if not the best English and about this season. I don't know too much about the English national team scene, but is there any potential? I mean, we're hearing about this possibly being the case with Brazil, you know, sort of giving uh, players on the fringes trials. Is there any chance that uh, you said it was Guehi, right? Yeah, uh, maybe him. Gray's you know? been involved. Gray was in the last squad. Um, okay. It's Dyer who hasn't been involved in age for ages. Um, I don't, I don't know because it, it looks like he's named basically the squad that he likes. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, the the part that frustrates me about it is that is Ben White's shirt that Dyer has sort of taken within the squad, and I know that they're very different centre backs. They might point towards England returning to a back three, and obviously Dyer would has played in the middle of a three for Spurs, so that's where he's useful. But I don't think that Dyer has been better than Ben White, so much so that, you know, that, that means that he takes his place in the squad. That's the part I just Ben White is leaps and bounds yeah. above Eric Dyer. He's, he's a much better player. Of course he is. And I don't like any of this Eric Dyer revisionism that he's all of a sudden under Conte is brilliant. Yeah, been of protected course. In a Conte system, in a back three. As is every... Romero beside yeah. him. Um, and like, he can't... He, oh, this. And and the, the, the other thing about it is that people are saying, oh, maybe it's because he's been playing right back. My God, if that has factored into Southgate's thinking... It just shows how tactically tactically inept he is because everyone knows he's basically still been playing as a centre back. That's how how we work. Um, and even yeah, so, Tomiyasu not play as a centre back for yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So plays as a left centre back. Yeah. So I don't Ben know. White deserves more flowers. Is pretty much um, all we can say. But at least he can fill out his Love Island form during the international break because. Uh, we know he's yeah. going to be on it next year. And he's Winter actually engaged. I'm really sorry to his his, his, his fiance. So <laughs> I hope he doesn't go on Love you Island. Know she's yeah, right, right. Be funny well, if he just did. <laughs> uh, just, on, on Southgate, well, this is for a different conversation, but I, I feel like I can defend him a lot more than other people. As much as I don't, I don't love him, but I, I see the value in him. I think that's a bit of an unpopular opinion at the moment, but I'm not going to get into that now. Yeah, well, you know, look, I'll just say this much on Southgate and we'll draw to a close. I kind of like the your manager right now since we're facing each other in the World Cup. I'll just leave it at that, and I think that's never good. You know? Let's look at our last two tournaments. We've been good. Yeah, sure. Dan, no, we that- are going to spank you into next Thursday. It is going Thank to you. be awful. You're going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> 
The We Love oh, Your yeah. Arsenal group chat is just going to be attack, attack, attack. Alex Trad, Daniel Finton, whoever else is American, you're in Mac. for it. Yeah, Mac Johnson, how could I forget? Can't, man, I just can't wait till the scrappy 1-0 Harry Maguire own goal. It's going to be so fun. Um, that's going to be just beautiful. Jordan can't Pickford wait. lets it roll through his gloves. He has his Rob Green be moment. Doing one of these. <laughs> This is remember remember what they would call him Little Orange Pickford. That's that's what we're gonna see back in the flesh, baby. Matt Turner. Matt Turner's gonna I come. I don't know why I just said Matt Turner. The game, Matt Turner. Christian Pulisic. <laughs> Weston McKenney. I'm actually. I'm, 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 we're gonna. Tyler Anderson. <laughs> We're gonna. I don't know how to do it exactly, but we'll explore it. I definitely want to try to do like a live watch along, and you know, I'm bringing the Jai baby. Come on now. If I'm not at the pub, I'll back it, but I'll probably be at a pub. Yeah, me too. Maybe we can Although do that. Would be fun. Maybe we can do it when we meet in the final. Yeah, there we go. Oh man, that would be a horrible final. <laughs> um, yeah. I think so. my tip is Brazil. Okay. I, I Martinelli. Yeah, Martinelli's won the World Cup for Brazil. I think. I think Brazil and outside curveball, I think Argentina have a chance still. Um, I'm looking South yeah, American. I, I, watched, I watched Argentina uh, against Italy earlier this summer and they look good. And I think they've found a system where basically they're good defensively, but they've they've got Messi just feeding uh, Lataro Martinez. Um, and they've got Di Maria as well. Uh, who looks good, so it, it looks like they could be strong as well. I'd love the Argentina-Brazil final, if it's not England. Yeah, I'd be, uh, I'd be remiss not to ask Rob. Mm. What do you think? Uh, well, I don't think England will do that great. I think we'll definitely get out of the group, but I wouldn't be surprised by an early exit. It's not that I don't see the value in Gareth Southgate. I just think maybe that sort of same message thing he's been around for so long now, and I do feel like it should be his, his last World Cup from an England perspective. Um, as for the winners, I can just never look past France. I just think looking. I got a hot take with France. Do you think they're heading out early? Their squad is fucking good. I think they're going to have an implosion. Really? I, I mean, think... it really needs to be Deschamps' last tournament. I'm. I mean, and just on this, every, listeners, there'll definitely be World Cup content during the during the break on on this podcast because we might as well, especially considering our, our teams are in the same group. Yeah, it's going to be the worst World Cup ever. Yeah, <laughs> sorry to bring. Sorry, yeah, to good point. Up. It is. It is. It, You're th- right. Which could be a reason why I think something weird could maybe happen. Um, you know, I th- yeah, but it's going to be terrible. It's going to be very, very dull. You just know it. You know, I mean, the, the teams have like yeah four days of training before the tournament starts together. And it could be like a very new squad put together. That's why people, the, the coaches are going for con- continuity in their squad selection. Yeah, and I, I do just want to, I, I just dropped a bombshell and then didn't explain myself with the France implosion. I just think history tends to repeat itself and France has this weird reputation of infighting within the squad. And I look at some of the personalities that they have in there right now and I think that that is pretty much inevitable. I don't um, think Adrian Rabiot is getting near that squad anymore after <laughs> after the impact he had in their Euros campaign, supposedly. Well, 
I, I used to be a big fan of his until I like actually started watching him. Um, yeah, he's just not a very good. Oh uh, yeah, I, I think he's a lot better than people think. Yeah, but he's, he's it, like well. There's all this. Um, he comes with baggage. Clearly. Yeah, of course. There's all this Mbappe Pogba chat, isn't there? But Pogba is not going to be going to the World Cup because he's having surgery, um, which is also another interesting thing. I'll be very much looking forward to watching Chouamani, uh play for France because I think he's class. Hey, you know I'm the biggest Benzema stan in the world, so I would love to see King Kareem. He's, oh, oh, forgot to mention, Gabriel Jesus, What his celebration was class. The Vinicius Jr. disrespect yes, love, is son. stupid. It is pathetic. A footballer can well, do actually, what he wants. I mean, I heard, I heard that he got criticized by a Spanish pundit or something, which had a racial connotation. That's the first I've heard of it. What actually, what was said? So he's just been um, getting a lot of criticism in general for sort of the way he plays, sort of comparisons to Neymar. Uh, the uh, the celebrations were called provocative. Yes, yeah. Vinicius does. Um, well, did he just do the dance? That yeah, it was that dance. Um, and then I think someone um, there was some sort of racial connotation, sort of referring to a monkey when he was described in the in the celebration from one of the f- many idiots within the Spanish media. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I definitely stand by him. Footballer, Let's, footballers yeah. can play however the fuck they want. They've worked their whole lives to get where where they are. Who if, the fuck can tell them how to celebrate? Yeah, like, and same with Richarlison express doing themselves. They yeah. show a bit of personality. Same with Richarlison doing kickups. I hate the bloke, and I'm glad he was cleared out. But he's, he can do what he wants. <laughs> he's playing in the Premier League. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's hope these dinosaurs within the, especially the content creation side of things, because then we all have to hear it too. Let's just hope they go extinct sooner than later. Um, Let's draw it to a close there. I think it's been an hour and 10 minutes. Uh, Good pod lads. Very good. I was in a great mood to start off because it was just an emphatic result. Um, So let's tie it up with that little bow and Alfie, I guess, as we traditionally do marketing opportunity of a lifetime. We love us. We love you, Arsenal. Co. UK, and we've had some. We had some World Cup chat here. Well, my latest piece was rating Arsenal players' chances of going to the World Cup. So give that a read. Very good piece. Well researched. Um, that's those. I I hate writing those sort of pieces because it comes with so much work, and I hate to work. Um, Rob, what we are sorry, Matt Smith. What we got? Uh, go and follow the the podcast's Twitter page at Cannon Podcast. We've. We've put a nice little new logo on there. Uh, it's it's more active than it sometimes is. Um, so, yeah, just go give it a follow at Canon Podcast, especially if you're a regular listener. Or even if you're not, it might remind you how good our show is when you just see our little icon on your sk- screen on Twitter. And you might think, you know what? I want to go and listen to the Arsenal Canon Podcast today. So, yeah, go and follow us on Twitter at Canon Podcast. Yes, I will second that because beautiful bozo's funeral is coming soon and as i said in the previous episode i will be burying it at some local park again i don't know the legality of that i don't know if you're actually allowed to bury stuff but i'm gonna do it anyway it's gonna be awesome um so yeah do keep an eye on that podcast page because that is where the service is going to be held and i appreciate your condolences thank you everyone um and yeah uh my my marketing opportunity of a lifetime is gonna fucking laughing at me dude it's not fucking i don't Seriously, stop.
Sorry, sorry. Not a fucking joke. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daniel. <laughs> this, pot, this fucking mic has been here longer than you, Rob. So can you like chill the fuck out? Like, God, unbelievable. Anyway, apologies, Jesus. apologies. God, My condolences to you and your family, folks. I want a minute of applause on the next podcast for Bozo. I mean, I actually on. think we should cancel the international break because of <laughs> because of Bozo. I think so too. He just got named last week. That's how much I care about we him. Need, we need worldwide grieving period of 12 days, which means the international break can go. <laughs> go on a lockdown like COVID, but for grief. <laughs> yeah, Rob no, died. No. Rob literally left. <laughs> <Okay. frame. laughs> I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, Bozo. Um, it's it's, it's horrible right. to he, have your passing. I, he, well, he was forgiving. Now he's dead. So, um, yeah. But look. My marketing opportunity of a lifetime is not just that. Um, I'm going to be working for the PSG Academy in Miami, everyone. Um, so I'm going to be their content guy. So you can see more stuff coming out from me. And I'm going to actually be getting paid to make stuff. So if you're interested in just the sport as a whole, I'm going to be interviewing people that have to do with, you know, academies, um, professional, young professional players coming up, exploring, you know, looking to come up through the ranks. And then maybe if I'm lucky, if they have the time, official people with PSG, it'll be a 20 part series. Check it out. It's going to be podcasting. And that is why after this episode, the lads are actually teaching me how to edit them together because I'm going to have to know that a little better than what I do now. Um, so yeah, thanks a million for tuning in everyone. We do appreciate you, Alfie. I think you need to say something that rhymes with tree mead a song. We need a song. God. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I was looking for stuff with, to do with bees just a, a minute ago. Uh, be, the bees, but I couldn't find what's anything. What's the B movie's like main song? <laughs> the B movie. Uh, right. We're going to find just song. find B movie um, like soundtrack. And, I'll look yes. at that. I'll give and, that a and Daniel like will be doing it because he's yes. for, the first, for the first and time. And we're life. offering him no help. He needs to produce the whole thing <laughs> on by it, by it. And if it's not ready by uh you know two hours you've got so what eight o'clock our okay. time and if it should take ready, like 10 minutes it's not max. ready you're sad yeah anyway i'm, I'm getting in that, contact i'm getting in contact with never psg that. and i'm putting in a bad word never <laughs> <laughs> that shit um and, uh, uh, here's the song is gonna be um honey from the B movie because life is sweet right now for us Arsenal fans. So if you guys don't mind, do you mind if I sing us out real quick and then I could sort of gel this with the song? Yes. Beautiful. Okay. I'm ready. Sugar, dunna, dunna, dun, dun. Oh, honey, honey. Oh my gosh. Remember that one song that was Sala, da, 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 da. Anyway, real song now. Oh, honey, da, 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 da. You were my candy girl. You can cut it off with that. This feeling too